Hey, this is Joey Rumble. I'm the pastor of Summerbrook Church in Somerville, South Carolina, and this is our podcast. I hope the message you listen to today speaks to your heart and helps you connect with Jesus and grow in Him. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the message. I love, love Easter. So fired up to be here with you. Thank God. As you dig into God's Word today, I want you to know wherever you are in your walk with God right now, Right now, you feel like you're holding Jesus' hand. You're so close to him. It's like you don't know how you'd ever be able to get closer. Or you're so far off from God, you feel like he's distant, that when you pray, it's just hitting and coming right back to you and not reaching the Lord's ears. Or somewhere in between, I want you to know this message of Easter is for you. Now, I did almost rework this message and change the text to Noah with as much rain as we were getting. I was like... Man, I'm glad I didn't have to jump in and we go into Noah today. So we're going to thank God on Easter it wasn't raining and uh, praise God for that. Let's, let's thank the Lord for that. Amen. Yes, yeah, Easter. So, so we've been in a journey, who do you say I am? And we, we started this series with Jesus in the garden where he was uh, talking with the Father in the garden. Then we moved into the arrest the betrayal, the rest of Jesus, and then we went into his scourging, his mocking, and then him going to Golgotha, uh, where Simon of Cyrene was asked to, was uh, grabbed to take the cross of Jesus, and Simon of Cyrene followed Jesus to the journey to Golgotha, and each one of us is called to follow Jesus in his journey and take up our cross. We all struggle with it, of uh, uh, doing our will over God's will. And so we've been wrestling with that for several weeks, and today we're going to journey and go straight to Jesus on the cross, and we're going to pick it up in Matthew. If you have your Bibles with you, or you can follow on the screen, Matthew 27, verse 46. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, th this darkness that came over the land was not a solar eclipse because the, this is the Passover. The Passover was during full moon. And so this was a, an unknown act of God where it had turned dark. And then it, it shared that Jesus actually went was on the cross at 9 a.m., and then it shares there that as he cried out to the Lord that it was the ninth hour, which is actually around uh, 12 to 3 in the afternoon. So when Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Every one of us needs to realize this is one of the greatest uh, news, news of Easter is this. Jesus was forsaken so we would not be forsaken. The second person of the triune Godhead was experiencing breach in the fellowship he had known with the eternal Father from before all worlds. And the separation, the cause for forsakenness, tearing at Jesus' mind occurred because Jesus, him who knew no sin, was being made sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, his qualification as a sinless Savior provided space for all sin to be swallowed up in one person. Then in dying, Jesus fully broke the power of sin to never again rule anyone 
who puts his life within the hands of his resurrected life. Amen? Man, that is great news. Hebrews 2 verse 17 shares, Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Unless Jesus became fully human in every respect except for sin, he could not represent believers as their high priest. Propitiation means the sense of an atoning sacrifice that puts away sin and satisfies God's wrath. And so this has been done. It's not by your emotions, not by anything. This, this is what Jesus did. If you feel like it or not, this is what Christ did. He was forsaken so we would not be forsaken. I love this quote by a pastor. He shared this. The silence of God does not mean the indifference of God. If you're in a place right now where you feel like God's being silent, I want you to know he is not indifferent. Jesus was forsaken so you would not be forsaken. So let's follow the example of Psalms 142 as the psalmist was crying out. With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. So let's unpack this. Jesus is crying out to God as he's carrying the weight of all the sin of the world on himself, paying the price. We can learn from this when you're in the middle of suffering and or when you feel like you've lost touch with heaven and are mystified in your loneliness. Aim your hard questions at God and go to God first and go often. When we are in, in a need where we're in this struggle, this weight of life, we need to make sure we don't go to anything else for answers first. We go to God. You know, because in our life's darkest hours, we need God more, and we need him all the time. Trust me, we do. We need him all the time. But, man, I'm telling you, when you're in that struggle, that wrestling match with God, you need to make sure you don't go to other people. God may use other people in your life to minister to you, but you go to God first, often, and with desperation, because Jesus was forsaken, so we would not be forsaken. And it's okay to wrestle with God. Those times where I was desperately wrestling with God, those have been some wonderful moments where I've learned worship, where I've learned just to rest and trust that God's in control and worship this deeper worship with the Lord. So where are you at? Run to God with your questions. Remember, Jesus was forsaken, so we would not be forsaken. Let's look at the next statement Jesus makes from the cross. Jesus cries out, it is finished. It is finished proclaims that all the work the Father had sent him to accomplish was now completed, particularly his work of bearing the penalty for all sins. The Greek here, it is finished, telos, it means to bring to an end, complete, fulfill. The debt is fully paid. The sentence is completed. The military victory is completely won. When Jesus cries out, it is finished, was the Son of God's invitation to join him in the conviction that now because of the cross, there is nothing we struggle with that is without a purpose and an end. 
No struggle never again feel pointless. No suffering need ever again be unending. The psalmist says in 30 verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? And it is finished is what for us? It's learning to live from a place of victory. It is finished is letting us know, hey, it's been paid. He has fulfilled the debt. We, we all are sinners and have fall short of the grace of God. And we desperately need a Savior. And the Savior is Jesus. And he's saying it is finished. So no matter what you face in life, it is finished means as you place your trust in him, you get to make it to heaven. You get to make it to heaven. It, we, but not only that, here's the good news. It is finished means in this life, we're able to live from a place of victory in every situation we face. You struggle in relationships, you struggle in your finances, you struggle in any area. There is victory in Jesus that gives you wisdom and insight. So it is finished is a great encouragement for all of us. So let's understand the battle has already been won for you. So know you're able to live from a place of victory and let's walk in it. Let's not settle for less than what God has for us. Let's look at the last statement that Jesus makes from the cross. It's in Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus was surrendering his control of life into the Father's hands, whereas an hour before he was torn with the agony of abandonment, feeling the distance between himself as the bearer of our sin and the pure holiness of the Father. The Son said, I'm ready to release my hold on life, and I'm unafraid to do so because I am placing everything about myself into your hands. His words of trust, surrendering everything into the strong hands of the almighty God. We started this series, Who Do You Say I Am, with Jesus in the garden. God, if there's any way for this cup to pass that I don't, uh, and there could still be done another way, may it be done. But if not my will, your will be done. Here on the cross, Jesus is saying to the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. God not my will, your will be done. Where are you in life right now where you need to start trusting the Lord? I, I got a word for you. I got a word that, uh, that, that someone spoke into my spirit that I, I believe I want to pass on to you. Because I don't know about you, but a lot of times in life I just want to hold on tight. I want to protect myself. I want to control, make sure nothing comes out of the ordinary, but I, I'm just guiding this thing. But the Lord says, into my hands I commit my spirit. Let go and trust God. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. God can be trusted. Whatever situation you're facing right now where you're putting it in your will, trying to control it, let go and let God. Still takes effort. Still takes sweat. Still takes tears, all that. But from a place of letting God, trusting in God to do his work. Maybe you're holding on to your past or your identity in other things. God's saying, no, no, bring it to me. Let's move now to the tomb. 
Jesus' body has been placed in the tomb in Luke 24, 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Uh, Say with me, he is risen. Say with me, he is risen. One more time, he is risen. Man, that is good news. Let's give God praise for that. Amen. Let's continue on. Verse 6. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified on the third day and rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He is risen, proving that he was the Messiah, the one to take away the sins of all humanity. Let's move on to verse 36 of this same chapter 24 where Jesus appears to his disciples. Luke 24, 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and uh, said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do your doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands. See my feet. That it is I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. I believe Jesus is having fun here. He's like, see me, touch me, watch me eat. Listen, I'm the real deal. I rose from the dead. This isn't a spirit. This is me. And, man, wow. Just as, but here's the thing. Just as the disciples were needing evidence to uh, realize that Jesus is who he proclaimed he was, we've been taking this journey as a church Uh, each week about who do you say I am and been presenting apologetic argument for you to be able to have a, we want you to have an intelligent faith, not a blind faith. The first week we looked at C.S. Lewis's trilemma, Lord, liar, lunatic. The second week, Nabil Krishi's minimal facts approach of Jesus' death, resurrection, and deity. The third week, William Lane Craig's moral argument. You can look at those in past messages. Today, we're going to look at Dr. Frank Turek's The reason why we believe Christianity is true is the answer to four questions is yes. The first question, does truth exist? Obviously, we all hear people that say all the time, there is no truth. You got my truth. You got your truth. All truth is relative. When somebody says there is no truth, you ought to ask that that person a question. You ought to say, hey, is that true? 
Is it true that there is no truth? Because if it's true there is no truth, the claim there is no truth can't be true, but it claims to be true. In other words, it is a self-defeating claim. Of course there's truth. If there was no truth, an atheist can't be right that there is no God. So there is truth. Answer to number question number one, is there truth? Is yes. Question number two, does God exist? There are several arguments for the evidence of God. Let me give you just one. Even atheists today are admitting that space, time, and matter had a beginning out of nothing. Well, think about it. Let's all think about it. If space, matter, and time had a beginning out of nothing, whatever created space, matter, and time can't be, a, can't be made of space, matter, and time. Now, when you think of uh, this situation, a timeless, spaceless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent being, what do you, what do you think? Because who, who do you think of? You think of God, an uncreated creator. Now, we don't know it's the Christian God at this point, but we know it is a theistic God, a being who is beyond the world who created the world. So the answer to the same question is yes. The third question is, are miracles possible? Obviously, Christianity can't be true if miracles are not possible. But the greatest miracle in the Bible has already occurred, and we have scientific evidence for it. And what is that? I just mentioned it, the creation of the universe out of nothing. If Genesis 1-1 is true, every other verse in the Bible is at least possible. Because if there is a being who can create the universe out of nothing, he, he can do anything he wants to inside the universe. If he can create the whole show out of nothing, of course he can resurrect Jesus from the dead. Of course he can walk on water. Of course he can part the Red Sea. He can do any of that. So the final question, the fourth question, which gets us all the way to the Christian God, Is the New Testament reliable enough to show us that Jesus rose from the dead? The reason we believe in Christianity is an event occurred, the resurrection. I have to ask you this. Why would the Jewish writers of the New Testament, all were Jewish except Luke, why would they invent a resurrected Jesus? Why would they say a man who claimed to be God rose from the dead if it didn't happen? They thought they would be they thought it would be blasphemy for a man to claim to be God. And why would they invent a resurrected Jesus? They already thought they were God's chosen people. They had no motive to invent a resurrected Jesus. And certainly they could not have invented it in Jerusalem where an empty tomb existed. In other words, the New Testament writers did not create the resurrection. The resurrection created the New Testament writers. There would be no New Testament if it wasn't for the resurrection. Now, even if the New Testament never existed, Christianity would still be true. Why? Because Christianity is based on an event, the resurrection. Do you realize there were thousands of Christians before a line of the New Testament was ever written? Why? Because an event occurred, the resurrection You would have to have more faith to believe it didn't occur than it did. This is how important the resurrection is. This is why we celebrate Easter. Amen? Amen. Let's continue looking at the conversation Jesus is having with his disciples after the resurrection. Luke 24, verse 44 through 46. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written, 
that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead. He, Jesus is opening the Old Testament. He's, he's helping them see in Scripture, in the Psalms, the prophets, uh, the law of Moses, that he was fulfilling it. Matter of fact, as a church, starting next week, we're starting a new series called Red Thread. What we're going to do is, uh, you know, as you open your, your, the Gospels of, in the New Testament, you'll read the red letters that are, uh, that are uh, Jesus' words. Well, we're going to spend time in the Old Testament looking at how Jesus is presented in the New, Old Testament. The red thread of Christ throughout the Old Testament. And we're going to take this journey of seeing how in the Old Testament, Jesus is reflected and it impacts our lives. Knowing that, for the next couple of years... Uh, we're going to go through all 66 books of the Bible. And we're going to dig into them uh, one by one and, and really immerse ourselves in all 66 books of the Bible. Now, from time to time, we'll, we'll slot in a, a series that feels timely for the church and uh, right then in that certain seasons. But we'll come right back heading through those 66 books of the Bible. It's going to be a great journey starting next week. Church, you don't want to miss it. In conclusion today... Jesus shared to his disciples when he was gathered them before he got arrested, before the garden in John 14, 19. He said, yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Where do you feel like you need to live again? Are you discouraged? Are you frustrated? Are you worried? Are you fatigued? Are you exhausted? Are you full of sorrow, overwhelmed? Or you have family members going through it that is overwhelming you? The message of Easter is you can live again. As Christ died and lived again, we can live again. This is the beauty of uh, Romans 6.13 shares. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. If you, church, if you want to make headway, you need a... What's your takeaway today? Have you forgotten that Jesus was forsaken so that you would not be forsaken? You looked at the circumstances of life instead of what Jesus has done for you? Have you uh, holding on too tight to life instead of let go and trust God and then walk in obedience to what he reveals? Is it that you really haven't gotten in the word of God and really got to know it for yourself? Where I'm telling you, there's good news. Next week as we journey through Scripture and get in the Old Testament red thread and see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament, it's going to be amazing. Jump in and say, I'm, making a, I'm, I'm reading up in the faithfulness to the house of God. It, it may be that uh, you need to hear that God says in Matthew 28, 18 through, uh, 18 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. You need to realize God's calling you to go. Not just your cousin Sue, but you. God's got a plan for you to serve with purpose. So what is it? What's your takeaway today? What is it that you need to do? Well, let's uh, before we receive communion, I want you to really be thinking where you are right now. Is it that you've never committed your life to Christ? Say, oh, that's great. It is finished. Thank God Jesus did it on the cross. I'm good. No, you're not. It is finished if you receive it. Scripture says you receive it by faith in what Christ has done. If you just say, oh, it's finished, good. No, no. you got to commit your life to Him. you got to place your trust in Him. Others of you, you've kind of Man, you've done your own thing. You, at one point in your life, you got saved, but man, you've rebelled. You've done your own thing. Or 
today you've been serving God, but there's this little pocket. God, I've been holding on to this. I need to let go and trust God. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to know God is here to meet with you. Matter of fact, Scripture says don't receive communion in an unworthy manner. What makes you worthy? Placing your faith and trust in Christ. And I also like, I'm made worthy to receive because of what Jesus has done for me. But I also like to uh, repent and, and to make sure there's nothing in pockets of my heart that I'm holding on to. And so if you would with me, bow your heads and uh, close your eyes. And uh, I want to lead you in a prayer of receiving Christ. And, and, and with no one looking around, you know, it, okay, I believe it's finished. I believe Jesus is the Savior. But I haven't placed my trust in the Lord. I have not placed my faith in Him. Or others of you, you need to repent. There's areas you've been holding on to that you've done your own thing. You've been doing your will, not God's will. Or there's pockets in your life you know you need to change. And you right now, hey, pastor, you pray for me. I want to make this commitment. If that, any of those areas, if that's you, just slip your hands up where you are. and Just hold them up. Hold them up where you are. Go ahead. If no one's looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of commitment and repentance to the Lord, and then we're going to receive communion together. And so if everyone would pray out loud with me, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that you're raised from the dead, and I confess with my mouth that you're Lord. Jesus, you are awesome. Change my life. I repent of my sins, and I turn to you. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. From this day forward, I choose to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.